What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Uh, yeah, things have been crazy. Um, I've been very busy uh, the last several days. I've been working on a big custom project, a couple big custom projects, actually. And uh, over the last few days, I've uh, been working on not one, but two articles. And I did a YouTube video as well. And uh, it's funny how <laughs> how time-consuming these things are, and I'm not really sure why I feel co so compelled to do these. I just uh, I just enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just do. I uh, it's part of my hobby, I guess. Is uh, is kind of uh, you know sharing what I've learned and entertaining and educating you all on uh, you know certain things of uh, when it comes to baseball and baseball cards that I've uh, that I've learned. So uh, latest. Uh, article is posted on my website as well as pretty much every major forum if you wanted to take a look at them at it uh, it's uh, titled how 19th century baseball cards were made and uh, yeah I don't know I uh, I'm not sure exactly what got me fascinated by the process uh, in the history of it uh, to begin with to be honest with you I just don't but I love it. I really love it. There's something about knowing how things were put together and uh, the level of human interaction that had to happen to create these little works of art. And, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, I said this before, but like, I feel like almost that's kind of my duty uh, whenever I find something fascinating about baseball and baseball cards uh, to share it with everybody else. I'll give you an example. So I was talking to somebody uh, probably about a year ago, and this is not like a you know uh, one-time thing, but uh, somebody uh, that I was talking to about cards, he loves baseball, loves baseball cards, and I was talking to him about 19th century baseball cards. And he goes, what? They made baseball cards in the 19th century? Go, well, yeah. You know, he goes, Do you have any? I said, Well, not yet, but I'm looking for them. You know, this is before I had picked up any. And uh, let me tell you guys something like, for me personally, before I really kind of dug in, I was kind of at the point where I guess number one, I didn't really care a whole lot um, because, you know, it was all old stuff. And number two, I was thinking that maybe the oldest cards out there were T206s. I knew they were from 1910. And when I was a kid, I mean, gosh, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I loved the idea of owning, of, uh, owning things that were older than me. Uh, I would go to a baseball card shop and I would ask for uh, the box of commons that, uh, that where the uh, 1960s and 70s cards were held. In fact, I even uh, purchased a T206 card and I think it was $40 or $50. I think it's $50. And I remember holding it and thinking, oh my gosh, I have something very special here. I have a baseball artifact that's nearly 100 years old. And I remember the year was like 1992. I was living in a small town in Kansas uh, and there's probably 300 people there. I, uh, I really kind of, my love for baseball cards really kind of uh, rubbed off on all the other kids uh, in the town. But everybody was into like, you know, 1992 Tops, 1991 Donruss, and, you know, they loved all those. I did too, but my love for older cards was just, you know, kind of off the charts. And so we lived with my grandparents for a while, and we were in this 
very large house that was built somewhere around 1910. And as I remember walking around the house, I remember feeling just kind of how old it was. Like you have the windows, for instance, and there's like this little pulley system that you, you'd use to, uh, you know, pull up the window or pull it down, which was neat. Um, I'll tell you what was not neat was not having an AC in the summer. <laughs> Matter of fact, I uh, remember taking uh, Holly and Atticus many years ago uh, when my uh, grandparents were still living there. My grandpa has since passed away and my grandma is in a nursing home now. But um, I remember probably about, oh, I want to say 13, 14 years ago, we uh, went to the uh, uh, 4th of July over there because they, they would do, guys, like, if you ever want to experience, like, true America, like, go to a small town, uh, 4th of July setup. It's just amazing. So uh, I'm thankful I was able to experience that. But, yeah, so we went there for the 4th of July and, like, okay, go upstairs to go to sleep. And I go, oh, my gosh, it is crazy hot here and there's no AC. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old it was. And, uh, you know, we had a fan going and we we're just like, whew, keep the sheets off and, you know, dunk your head in water and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, after you go to bed, after you catch some fireflies and, uh, you know, it's just really kind of a fun, kind of fun thing. But uh, I remember when I was 12 years old back in 92, looking at this house and feeling how old it was and then owning a baseball card from about the same age thinking, oh, my gosh. This baseball card they own, this T206 white border, could literally be older than this house. That seems like older than, you know, history. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't know why, but this uh, infatuation has always stuck with me on uh, older baseball cards. And so uh, I really just really loved it. In fact, later on that summer, I made it a goal of mine to push uh, the new cardboard <laughs> to my uh, fellow cardboard crack addicts. Um, and so I would sell a lot of the, you know, late eighties and early nineties baseball cards. And I kept money, uh, kept saving up money to do a mail order of like some super low grade T206 baseball cards from Kit Young. Yes, I, <laughs> I am that old. I am, uh, ordered from Kit Young in a mail order catalog old. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I remember I wanted to get 25 of them and I remember getting them in and just loving them creases and all like paper loss and all rounded corners and all not even knowing these people's names, not even dreaming about the likes of Ty Cobb or Cy Young or most Wagner or Christy Matheson, Walter Johnson, Napoleon Lajoie, none of those guys. I never would have even dreamt about ever having touched any of them, um, you know, in my lifetime ever, it was just me and these at the time, nearly 100 year old cards. And I was just so, uh, captivated by them and wondered like, what, what lives did they go through? Did they go through, were they in pockets of people that went, that were in the world, uh, world war one? Uh, I mean, like <laughs> what about world war two? And I mean, like it just, all, all of these things would go through my mind, like how special these cards were. They weren't things that were printed yesterday or, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. They, they have survived. They're survivors. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of fun to come back to the hobby. Um, 
you know, several years later, and I've been in it now for about 15 years or so again, and just recently kind of really uh, uncovering all of these different uh, hobby facets that I had never really discovered before. Uh, I love 90s inserts and parallels. I love the new, uh, you know, mega patch cards and everything. I can't really get on board with like, you know, the 16, 17 year old kids that are prospects or anything like that. Uh, and I think the only reason why a lot of people do is because they're, you know, really kind of in for uh, speculating, investing, that sort of thing. Um, but for me, old cards though, like, <laughs> you know, so I, I remember uh, researching about some of them and going, man, uh, how cool is this? And I remember reading uh, from, there's a, there's a guy, uh, his name's David Cycleback. So David, if you're listening, howdy. Um, he uh, he uh, routinely comments uh, these little funny quips on uh, all my Facebook posts. Uh, but he's a uh, you know very much so uh, you know well known and, and uh, has written a lot of books on uh, you know different types of art and you know how to make sure that they're real and, and whatnot. So I've been able to read some of his stuff online. I've uh, read a lot of, uh, and by the way, a shout out to all my, uh, net 54 brethren out there too. Um, <laughs> and a lot of, uh, check it out by the way, guys, like if you haven't checked out net 54 baseball.com, do it now. Uh, it's a fantastic forum, especially if you love old cards. Uh, but anyway, uh, I remember, uh, researching a lot of this stuff online and thinking, huh. And, and remember, remembering reading about how, uh, there's not really a whole lot of difference from a production perspective on uh, how these lith lithographs of Picasso or Rembrandt were created um, and the first Allen and Ginter baseball cards or Goodwin baseball cards. And that kind of really stuck with me. And I go, man, really? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, look, y'all, here's what I do when it comes to uh, uh, you know creating a custom card. I click a button that says print on it uh, on my computer after I create something in Photoshop, you know, and uh, <laughs> and it's a, it's a very simple process to get all these beautiful colors that I put together in Photoshop on paper and have a hard copy of it. Um, and, uh, you know, to think that there is a lot of uh, great lengths that people go, uh, went to to create these 19th century baseball cards. I think that's just, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. And so I want to spend a little bit of time, uh, you know, kind of telling you all about what I've learned. Um, so we'll go ahead and start off uh, with, by the way, uh, uh, you know, what chromolithography is. So chromolithography is color lithography. And lith lithograph means in uh, oh, Greek or Latin uh, to write in stone. And so I'll tell you kind of more about that process in a little bit, but um, in the 1870s, chromolithography really kind of hit its stride in, in America. People latched on to uh, the the first time ever being able to see these like colorful pieces of cardstock or paper or whatever um, for anything. Business was booming for these print shops in America as well. And uh, kids and adults alike would be, uh, I read a, I read a comic, I think that they said that they were, they were quote unquote fiendish about trade cards. And to tell you what a trade card is, a trade card is basically an advertisement for anything. 
that people would give uh, give out as advertisements. So um, we think of trading cards, baseball cards. Well, back then, trade cards were just cards that would advertise somebody's trade. So you could have a trade card that was die cut for, you know, uh, uh, syrup or medicine or bleach, uh, any number of things. And they were so beautiful that people, you know, kid and adult alike would collect these advertisements of anything. Starting from the 1870s, um, from what I recall, and they would put these in albums. And so even to this day, there are a number of albums out there that still exist from collectors from uh, close to 150 years ago collecting these things. And they're die cut and they're, you know, they've got several colors because you gotta remember, like, I want you to kind of stop what you're doing now and even look around and see if there's anything that you can think of uh, or that you can put your eyes on that has several colors on it that's man-made. Uh, none of that stuff would have been around uh, back uh, before the 1870s. And so this is new technology. It's exciting. It's a way for uh, businesses to uh, put them ahead of the competition because it was so uh, nice, to, nice to look at and people collected them. Um, and this is really kind of the birth of America collecting these sorts of things. So fast forward, um, to the 1880s and, you know, old judge starts having these photograph cards in, in their packages. Alan and Ginter, and I don't know exactly how this happened. Um, but I think Alan and Ginter's decided to up the ante and say, you know, what? we're going to do these beautiful chromolithographs of baseball players. And we're going to include those in our, in our cigarette packages. Old Judge is doing amazing with these cards. Everybody loves them. We're going to do the same thing. So we're going to do this with uh, the world's champions. Not just baseball cards, but oarsmen, boxers, uh, billiard players, all of these guys. And of course, you know, I only care personally about uh, the baseball players. There's 10 of them. And, uh, you know, so that's what they did. People go nuts. And so subsequently, uh, around that same time, uh, the company that was involved with old judge somehow i don't recall but you know goodwin um i think goodwin was the parent company of uh, uh selling old judge cards if i remember or old, old judge cigarettes if i remember correctly but anyways goodwin comes out with the set that same year 1888 and they're beautiful too i mean <laughs> but they have even more color and so uh kids and adults are just going nuts at, over these cards and uh you know, more so than we would now, mainly because this is really kind of the first time that uh, from 1887 to 1889 ish, uh, you know, it was a very short time period, but um, this is the first time that these uh, baseball fanatics are able to see uh, what their favorite players look like for the first time and uh, actually have something. And keep it so they can look back. So, <laughs> so you have these uh, these albums where they collect like the advertisements for, uh, you know, bleach or you know, medicine or whatever. And then you have uh, Timothy Keefe or Buck Ewing or, you know, uh, you know, Cap Anson or King Kelly. And uh, so obviously those guys are going to win out. <laughs> you know, if you have something. So obviously, 
the time that baseball cards were first created was perfect. It was perfect timing because chromolithography was really only a thing, uh, a big thing for about 10 or 15 years at that point uh, in America. And so, you know, everybody loved them. They, they loved seeing these full color, beautiful uh, lithographs of their favorite players. And so um, to kind of go over and talk to you a little bit about uh, how these were made, to me personally, uh, is, is quite frankly uh, just as fascinating as anything else I've talked about and maybe even more. So let me tell you how these cards were made. So first of all, uh, it, it, is, it was done using chromolithography, like I said. And so the way you start out with, uh, with this is, by the way, I've got a, uh, some nice illustrations on my latest article. If you want to go to TamanBaseballFan.com, click blog, and click the latest article, uh, how 19th century baseball cards were made. It kind of shows you pictures of you know, how this was done. But you know, I'll try to describe it as much as I can here. So to start off with, um, what they would do is they would have an artist that would uh, you know, draw or paint or whatever, um, you know, a baseball player. From there, you'd have uh, somebody take that, uh, uh, that picture, that painting or drawing or whatever, and they would copy that onto a limestone. Now, the limestone was prepared so that way it could take the art. The art was actually done using something like a uh, lithograph crayon or uh, you know, some sort of uh, drawing uh, mechanism that could be used on these limestones, like these you know, big, thick, heavy stones, basically, that had to be quarried. And uh, they did one of these for each shade uh, and color. So you would have several, potentially, uh, several limestones to be used for each and every uh, single card. And uh, so once the uh, drawing was created on the limestone, the limestone itself would be uh, treated, I believe, chemically to make sure that uh, when you put ink on it, that the only place that would keep the ink was on the art piece itself. All of the negative space around it, uh, you know, the white space or the stone space, whatever you call it, uh, would repel the ink. So that way, uh, only the art that was drawn on the stone accepts the ink. Now you take that stone and you would, uh, you know, normally use like a, some sort of a press seal, but um, you would stamp paper on it or, you know, cardstock or whatever. And that impression would be made on the paper. Now you'd have to do that one time for every shade or color that you have until, uh, you know, all of the colors and shades are represented on that picture. So that's why you might have some that are not perfectly registered because maybe uh, one of the colors was off by millimeter or something. Um, but anyways, it, either way, once, you, once it's done, you have this beautiful uh, full color piece of art and they call them baseball cards <laughs> from the 19th century. Now this was a completely different way of doing things than um, how they did baseball cards in you know, at the turn of the century and, you know, beyond, wildly different. Uh, this way had uh, had to have much human interaction, uh, many artists, many people that could, uh, 
you know, do these various steps and everything. And there's like one comic that's a woodcut uh, that I show on my blog where there's a couple kids that go up to looks like this dealer, and he and he said, "Please, Mister, let me have a a picture card, uh, that same one." And the kid goes, "Me too." And the dealer says, "I'm sorry, kids, can't." Uh, the guy that made him died, and just goes to show you that you know this wasn't they weren't easy easily replicable um, by anybody, and uh, which is kind of a a fun uh, piece of history to know about these cards as well is uh, they really they really were handmade. You know, like you uh, I, I do believe they had like some sort of like a bigger press. And uh, but that press was uh, you know, certainly operated. It wasn't like an automated system or anything like that, um, like Tops probably has now or anything. Um, they're just uh, special, special, special pieces of art and history, quite frankly. Um, so uh, you know, kind of uh, is neat because when you look at these cards and you hold one in your hand and you think of all of the uh, things that happened since that card was created in some shop in, you know, New York or whatever, wherever it was, uh, you know, you got to think like how cool that is, how like you're holding something that predates television, radio, electricity and homes, the internet, uh, you know, it's truly like a very, very, very unique link to this, you know, time that's really, you know, frankly just been lost to many people like people just don't know about the stuff and uh you know which is really too bad because um uh there's so many amazing stories that come out of the 19th century when it comes to baseball and the cards as well and to know what had to happen in order for these to survive uh is just you know puts everything on another level so you know my recommendation uh to you out there is listening look if you're <laughs> You know, if this is going to strap you for cash, whatever, I certainly would not recommend this. But I know a lot of y'all are spending hundreds of dollars on these new PSA graded cards and, uh, you know, wax boxes and stuff. Um, what I recommend is go out, just buy one of these cards at the very least. Just, just so you can have something that's a nice uh, centerpiece for your collection. A good, uh, uh, something that you can talk about, like... A conversation piece even you have somebody comes over you show them their baseball cards your baseball cards and you go, oh yeah this is really neat and you show your uh, your company the you know the patch cards and go wow you know just like everybody sees patch cards wow this is this is like alien technology futuristic stuff if they have like a piece of bat or patch that's using the game from baseball cards there's still people out there that think that uh, and then you have some that you can show them oh I remember this uh, Griffier, the Spawns, or Bo Jackson. Uh, you take a look at some uh, '90s cards that you show them. Oh, the shine's beautiful. That's really cool. And then you show them a card from the 19th century. And they go, "What?" It, it like hold the phone. Like it stops people in their tracks. And you know, to think like, you know, hey, can I hold this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a neat feeling. It's a neat feeling to be able to show this stuff to people because. Uh, we are so uh, engulfed by newness, by, you know, like I said on in my article, like if we wanted to, 
If we tried really hard, we could probably find pictures of Andrew McCutcheon eating a ham sandwich yesterday if we wanted to. Like, we're so immersed in, uh, you know, this 24-7 baseball, baseball card culture. It's not just obviously uh, limited to baseball and baseball cards. This is just everything right now in life. Like, shoot, you can, <laughs> I, was, I was joking with somebody the other day, um, uh, there was a, uh, a news piece that came out that uh, said the government declassified a few UFO videos, and they said, yep, these were not hoaxes, they're true, and a senator comes out and tweets and says, I'm glad that the government decided to do this, uh, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Like, holy grail information to millions of people out there, right? And with how fast the news cycle is going these days, it just went out the window. Most people haven't even heard that before. <laughs> really bizarre, really bizarre. Never, never see anything like that. And I think it's probably just going to keep getting faster and faster. So, um, you know, it's fun to be able to, you know, kind of step back and take a deep breath and really look what's out there. Look at what's out there. And, uh, you know, really kind of, uh, I don't know, I think this is kind of my way to pay tribute to uh, the 19th century when it comes to cards and, and the sport of baseball itself. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I highly recommend uh, you buying at least one at some point. An 1888 Alan intercard or a Goodwin card or uh, Old Judge. I would say, if I were you, I'd stick with those three. There's a lot of them out there as well that uh from the 1800s that you know they they didn't really do such a good job of uh creating the likeness of the player like it just looks like a generic uh you know cartoon that they would use for several players uh they're neat they really are but to get a really good feel for uh you know what really excited kids back then and adults back then you know, check out Alan McGinter, check out Goodwin. Um, and by the way, uh, I think things will make a whole lot more sense for you as well. Uh, you know, you might look at the newer Alan McGinter cards say, I don't understand this. Why do they use palm fronds? Why are they showing uh, baseball players out in nature by, you know, river and all that sort of thing? Well, um, that is a direct callback to what Alan McGinter and Goodwin would do back in the 19th century. It's very heavily uh, influenced by Victorian art. And, uh, you know, that's why. So back then, they would do the same thing. I actually picked up an Alan and Ginter album uh, from the 1800s, and I've been looking for one forever. So happy I was able to get one. Um, but you're able to... Um, okay, hang on a second, guys. What on earth? <laughs> I'm going to pause <laughs> almost had a heart attack <laughs> so uh here i am trying to be all informative and everything i stop i think i'm going to die because a cat uh, i'm walking down the street here and i uh I see this massive furry thing not running away from me but running toward me and uh uh now i have a cat that's actually following me how crazy <laughs> anyways i didn't know what it was at first that was that was bizarre uh so I guess this cat wants to uh, learn more about 19th century baseball as well. <laughs> but, uh, well, that kind of threw me off my game, guys. I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> but uh, anyways, the, uh, 
the you know, at the end really what I want to do like I said what I recommend is pick up some of these cards uh, enjoy them savor them for what they are uh, be excited that you have a nice conversation piece um, that you can tell others about and you know show off if you want and uh, I guarantee they'll stick out a lot more uh, than uh, any of the newer cards to non-collectors and uh, you know yeah so that's the uh, oh that's what I was telling you about was the uh, was the album um, the album again was done in, in uh, was a you know done using chrome lithography beautiful several pages uh, done in the 19th century and they were put together by a, a thin delicate rope uh, so they're actually created by hand as well which is really neat um, so you know you gotta you gotta really respect the the craftsmanship that they had in those um, and for me personally uh, because my set actually has paper loss because somebody uh, glued them in the album uh, it kind of completes the story for me because I always knew that they were glued in albums but I never saw what an album looked like so it's kind of fun to see that as well um, you know on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Tamman Baseball Fan uh, I actually have a video of what that album looked like and you know frankly like I like the colors of that better than the cards even like it's just such an impressive piece I might actually you know disassemble that and you know frame off and it's really really kind of a neat piece so what I want to wrap up with is uh, talking to you about what happened uh, at the end of the 1880s we had an amazing time period of three years or so for baseball card collectors it's the the dawn of baseball card collecting as we know it uh, 1887 1888 1889 for the most part and uh, so 1890 comes around and the ATC it's the American Tobacco Company I think is formed and everybody is basically I don't know if they're bought out or joined or what but Ultimately, there is no more need for anybody to create these baseball cards anymore because uh, they were used for advertising. There's no competition, so therefore, you don't need to advertise. You don't need to make baseball cards anymore. This is a very happy thing for the owners of the cigarette companies because the baseball cards were extremely costly to make, and it was just like a you know big, massive problem to them. So... <laughs> Baseball cards all but died in 1890. Now, there are a few issues that were uh, uh, created from 1890 to 1900. Two of them that I can think of uh, right off the bat are 1893 Just So Tobacco and 1895 Mayo's Cut Plug. Uh, those are the only two that I can think of. There are some others, no doubt, but everything else just stopped until, if I remember correctly, the U.S. government uh, stepped in and broke them up around the end of the first decade of the 1900s, around 1908, 1909, something like that, if I remember correctly. And guess what? We have baseball cards again. <laughs> we even had like a 1903 set, by the way. But uh, anyway, so because of the uh, U.S. government ste uh, stepping in and saying, look, I think it was more of like a monopoly reason or something, or say you can't do this. Uh, broke them up, you have 
T205 cards, T201, T202, T206 cards, um, T207s, of course. I mean, all of these, you know, magnificent cards. And collectors came back again. And you got to think about this, though, because, like, uh, basically 20 years passed by. Think about that for a second. This pandemic, all this other, all this other crazy stuff going on in this world. Imagine if uh, Topps, Leaf, Panini, all these car companies said, okay, this just isn't worth it anymore. We can't do this. Um, and they stop. And imagine there are no more baseball cards created for another 20 years. Now think about that. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. There was like a, uh, a slowdown because of this pandemic for a few months of baseball cards. And the uh, market exploded <laughs> for what's already been, been, uh, been printed out. So, uh, yeah, I just couldn't imagine where we went through a few months. Uh, they went through 20 years. And by the way, there was no established history. There was just like, you know, three years or massive established history like we have now. So, um, anyways, to me, like all this is wildly interesting. And, uh, and so, yeah, once more, get a chance pick up a 19th century baseball card. Um, it's both art, it's both, it's both art and history. Uh, and you know, even, you know, T206, I mean, you know, they're 20 years older or newer than the Allen and Ginters are good ones, but, uh, you know, they're really, there's something, there's something, uh, something special about them for sure. Uh, they're rare, but not because of manufactured rarity. It's just their survivors and that's it. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, I will, I hope to do another podcast in the next probably week or so, hopefully, if all goes well, talking about my latest pickup uh, that should be coming in tomorrow, knock on wood, and a custom project I'm working on as well that has to do with it. So anyways, uh, thank you guys once again for listening and uh, you know what? <laughs> I haven't plugged my book in like forever. So <laughs> if you all have not picked up a copy of my book, please do so. Um, it's on Amazon. The title is Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict. You can also PayPal me, uh, $14.95 plus $3.95 shipping, uh, to tanmanbaseballfan at gmail.com, and I will get out a signed copy to you. So that's that, and uh, thank you all again. Have a great night.